0: Welcome to this week's Who the Folk podcast. I'm Lonnie Goldsmith, the editor of T.C. Jew Folk. Joining me this week is Chris Kramer, the St. Paul PJ Library coordinator at the St. Paul Jewish Federation. Chris talks about how she got started with PJ Library, being a cookbook author, and winning all kinds of awards for her baking at the Minnesota State Fair on this week's Who the Folk podcast. Chris Kramer, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us.
1: Thanks for inviting me.
0: So you are the PJ Library Coordinator, is that the title? Yep. PJ for uh, St. Paul. Yes. And the difference between Minneapolis and St. Paul, Minneapolis is through the Jewish Family and Children Services. St. Paul is through the St. Paul Federation. Yes, exactly. Okay. okay. Do the roles or expectations are they are they at all different because of the sort of parent organization?
1: Not really, PJ. Uh, it, it really, it's it's housed through those agencies, but it really runs fairly independently okay. through either agency. Um, I think working, uh, like, I do a lot of partnerships with JFS, so I think that it naturally fits well with the work that happens there, because they're already doing programming for families in the community, and PJ does programming for families in the community. Um, but I know all over the country, PJ Library sits at all different institutions and um We all just kind of do our thing wherever we are.
0: Does it help to be part of something like PJ Library that does have this huge nationwide network of of people like yourself running programs and something as sort of big and important as PJ Library is? It's
1: definitely helpful. Like Harold, the Harold Grinspoon Foundation, which created PJ Library and oversees all of its operations, they are so organized and provide so many resources to the coordinators all over the country. And we have a very active Facebook group where we can get ideas and um, event ideas. Even people share marketing assets that you can just swap out your logos. Everyone's very generous with their resources and their time. Um, and so definitely it's nice to be a part of a a larger community that we're all working towards the same goal and want to see each other succeed.
0: So you've been with PJ for about a year now, you were saying, uh, do you, you don't, now you don't come from like a traditional sort of programming type background.
1: No, I don't. (laughs) So where
0: did, I guess, what was it that led you to the, to being this program's coordinator?
1: Um, well, my background's actually in development, and I worked at Minnesota Public Radio for a long time um, doing fundraising for them, mostly digital fundraising and strategy, and then did a short stint for about two years about at Animal Humane Society, also doing digital fundraising. And then I have my daughter, and I wanted to be able to stay home with her part-time. And like having a kid, got her enrolled in PJ Library became friends with Marnie, who used to be the PJ Library coordinator in St. Paul, um, and was just looking for a part-time opportunity that also just sort of worked for our family. It's an amazing program, so when Marnie stepped down from the position, it just seemed like a natural fit.
0: So what type of change is it for you, though, to go from like a, from a development and a, you know, fundraising background to Mm -hmm. running programs and trying to program for at least you know the demographic well you're Mm -hmm. in that demographic with a two-year-old yeah um what's been the biggest uh or the hardest part about sort of making that transition career-wise
1: without making it sound icky i'm so (laughs) used to being in development that it's hard for me to not look for opportunities to fundraise
0: okay (laughs)
1: um because that's just and i you know working at the federation we do a lot of fundraising Mm -hmm. and so it's hard for me to not be a part of that mindset in the work that I'm doing um I mean it's fun because I get to do more of the fun stuff I get to do the stuff that's celebrating the community um where we're helping people make connections helping new families just kind of figure out what's going on and who do I know that can join me on this journey and people just love the books right like they're great and it's a wonderful program um But it's also – it's kind of nice for me to sit at the Federation because it still allows me to tap into my fundraising background, being a part of the staff and being a part of staff meetings and other programs that are going on in the larger Federation because I still get to use my background and my knowledge in those ways.
0: From a program standpoint, Mm -hmm. uh, is there anything coming up on the PJ Library front that people in the St. Paul community should know about that they want to take part in?
1: Well, you know, we're approaching summer, which is when things kind of slow down a little mm. bit programmatically. Um, so we're more in the planning stages. Okay. I'm planning some work with Carrie Fink, actually, in Minneapolis for sure. us to do some more by-cities things. Okay. Um, just, you know, to collectively bring the community together more and make it less about the side of the river versus that side of the river. Um So we're looking forward to that. We're going to be doing – I don't want to give anything away because I don't know if we're supposed to be sharing this yet, (laughs) but we have some fun – we have a really fun event coming up um, for Pride. Oh,
0: okay. That we're very,
1: very excited about that we're collaborating on.
0: Very cool.
1: Um, And, yeah, I know they had recently celebrated their 10-year anniversary, and they have a bigger – they serve a bigger community, serving the Minneapolis side. We just passed our 7-year anniversary in St. Paul – and uh we passed our 30,000th book that has been wow. sent out. So. It's a lot of books. It's a lot of books. It's 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 a very cool milestone yeah. and it's just you know it's this common denominator. My daughter goes to the JCC daycare in St. Sure. Paul and um it's just this thing that unites like all of the families and then everyone knows that I'm I'm the PJ lady. So that the kids like <laughs> thank me for their books and things like that. It's just
0: That's it's cool sweet. to be a
1: part of and it's just great to see you know, I see from the other educators there and families who receive the books, like they'll stop me and say, like, I love the book this month and you know, we, we've been reading it every night before bed and it's just such wonderful feedback really nice. to get about the program and to just see how it's a part of people's day to day lives.
0: And you get these, like, everyday examples of how it touches the families that are in your community.
1: Exactly, yeah. I mean, I get it firsthand at home for my daughter. I'm so glad Passover is coming up because last year she fell in love with Dainu. Okay. the song and the book. And we've been singing it all
0: year. Oh boy.
1: So I'm really glad that it's finally coming up so it's relevant again. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I that, thought you were gonna
0: say because there's a new Passover book that's gonna well, come in. Well
1: we did get a new Passover oh, book. Oh
0: good. Okay. But
1: she still just wants to do the Dainu book part, and yeah. she wants to sing it and but I'm like, at least it's relevant. Like sure. singing Dainu at Hanukkah, you just feel dumb.
0: <laughs> at least it's a Jewish song.
1: This is true. I is guess true? That's,
0: the, that's one way to look at it.
1: And now she's a little bit older, so she can almost pronounce it correctly. Before it was just die, die.
0: What's so cute, though, at that age. <laughs> it
1: is cute. <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> so you're also, in addition to PJ Library and having worked at NPR, you're also a cookbook author. I am. And you have won many blue ribbons at the Minnesota State Fair for the food competitions. How, when did you start doing that, and how did you know? Sort of what led you down that path?
1: So I started food blogging back in the glory days when, like, nobody had food blogs, so people would actually read your blog before Pinterest went and ruined it. Okay. Sorry, like I like Pinterest too, but like no one, you don't read the blog, you just scroll. You, you want just look recipe. for the recipe. Yeah. you just want the recipe. No one cares about you. I don't. I and... don't
0: read your backstory on Reddit. Yeah, just right. Give me the recipe.
1: So I started food blogging probably in like 2005, 2006, Mm. um, and built a good arsenal of recipes. At that time, I'd gone vegan and was trying to navigate Mm. the world of vegan baking. And at that time, there were very few books available. So it was a lot of trial and error and experimentation. And I documented a lot of that and came up with a lot of recipes and then um, published a zine. Because I was living in Portland, and that's what you do when you live in Portland. Right. You publish a zine. <laughs> and then I was um, contacted by a book publisher that wanted to look at the zine and was offered a cookbook contract, and from there published a handful of books through them. My most recent one was maybe th- three years ago. That was a whole book on um, cooking with Satan. So it was actually a cookbook. I prefer the baking to okay. the cooking, but... Um, seitan is a fake meat that's made out of wheat gluten, so it's kind of the anti anti wheat gluten movement <laughs> because it's pure wheat gluten. <laughs> For people that are gluten intolerant, it's like is there an anti wheat gluten?
0: Glu- the anti wheat gluten that crowd is that's going to be the gluten free. Yeah, exactly.
1: Ground. So this yeah. is all about the gluten. This is all about the gluten. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, mostly my focus is on baking, and and I love it, and so it just became a thing where I was just. Working on these different cookbooks um, and practicing, refining any possible recipe or thing that I could get my hands on and could conceive of. And so, you know, I naturally have sort of become the token baker in the family and in my social life. Um, I've had some fun catering and I've had opportunities to do all sorts of just weird baking things. Um, like when I was at NPR, um, there was a show, there were a previous show called Wits that John Moe used to host, and they would have random celebrities come on and do skits and perform songs. And uh, there was one day that that night Weird Al was going to be on. And they just found out that day it was his birthday and he's vegan. Okay. And so I got a call at home. I wasn't even in the office that day. And they're like, can you make Weird Al a birthday cake? Because I know you know how to make vegan cakes and we need to give him a cake since he's here on his birthday. I was like, okay. So I just like randomly made Weird so Al you a whipped birthday up, cake. So you
0: whipped Weird Al up a birthday cake? A vegan
1: birthday cake, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So just like I've had weird opportunities like that that have been fun. But then um, I lived away from Minnesota for a while and I moved back here in 2011 and, you know, the state fair is is a thing here. Oh, yeah. Like, And I love the state fair. Um, so I was immediately drawn to, like, refining my skills for the state fair. And uh, the first year that I entered, I got two blue ribbons in peanut butter cookies and oatmeal cookies okay. that year. Not vegan. I'm not vegan anymore. I still do a lot of vegan baking, okay. but that's not my primary um, objective anymore. And then... This past year, I got two blue and a red. I won for chocolate chip cookies, which was a big deal with my family because they're also hardcore State Fair people, and it's the hardest category because it gets the most entries. Really? Yeah. So I beat out 127, I think, other people for the chocolate chip cookie category. Yeah. And then I did, I got a blue for oatmeal chocolate chip, and then I got a red ribbon for brownies. Okay. And I felt pretty triumphant because my brownie recipe is actually dairy free. Really? And I felt felt pretty cool is taking the red, red, second? red second place. Okay. Yeah. So we'll see. Um, you know, every year now, my husband's like, "What categories are we entering this year?" I'm like, "Where's the we?" In? What's this we? <laughs> I
0: well, mean, I mean, he, he does
1: a lot of recipe tests.
0: I, I would imagine he yeah. would have to.
1: Yeah, and he does not mince words, so I'm always guaranteed very honest feedback.
0: So he's not a Minnesotan then? Or? Oh, no, he's from Chicago. Oh, okay. He's got all the opinions. That's, <laughs> I spent a, I'm spent. from Detroit and spent time in Chicago, and I can appreciate <laughs> Yes. Neither of those cities hold back, so nope. it's all right. <laughs> so the, are you looking for, like, a next – recipe to enter for next year? Or are you going to try to refine what you've already done well and give it a shot with that? You know,
1: it. I have different strategies depending on the year. Like the chocolate chip cookie category, I spent years refining that recipe. Okay. Where like I'm the weirdo that goes to the creative activities building and takes photos of the winning baked goods that are behind the glass cases. Because I want to see what won. Right. 30% of your points is based just on how it looks. Right. Um, and so, obviously in the Honey building, I would like to win the challah category,
0: which I have
1: entered but not won. I
0: have entered. I entered that a couple years ago. Did and you not win? I because know. I've decided I'm the best challah baker I know, right? And so I'm going to give it a shot. And yeah. so we wrote. I wrote an article detailing the whole thing, and it was cool. Just like how many people saw it there and took pictures and sent them to you know sent me texts. And well, it, me got so it got displayed. It got displayed. It's like that's, that's you. I saw your challah.
1: That's a crowning achievement. I didn't I mean, win.
0: Didn't you know. come shouldn't sure come close, but
1: I mean, the stuff that doesn't get displayed, they just feed to the hogs. So, you did not get fed to the hogs. Oh, that is are. an achievement in
0: and of itself. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm happy to know that. Now. <laughs> um, well, look, the hogs got to eat. I'm, right? okay, I'm okay with that, but it's a it, it was fun just to try and mm-hmm. spent a lot of that summer playing with the rest with recipe development right? because the honey category is really, I mean, that's really hard mm-hmm. to swap out all of the sugar just for honey and it changes totally changes the consistency. Yes. And it was a frustrating process of playing around with uh playing around with different tweaks and just oh, the yeah. whole development of it was really hard. Definitely. So yeah. yeah, I haven't tried just the regular Kala big good category. Yeah. But that might be this year's we'll see.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's the regular, I mean, every year they tweak things slightly. So in the past, I've entered in the regular creative activities under the challah category. But it's challah, Italian bread, and French bread. And I'm like, how do you compare those against each right. other? Right, one
0: year was challah, like a couple years ago, it was challah and like Scandinavian breads. Yeah. So that's a weird, like, that's a weird mix. Like, yeah. I feel like if you're making up those categories, you don't really know anything about any of those breads if right? you're trying to compare them. Yeah. So that doesn't really work.
1: mm so, yeah, it's it's a tough nut to crack. But, you know, every year I kind of go through, they're about to open up enrollment mm-hmm. um, in a few weeks. And so I'll go through. I'm actually due to have a baby the week before drop-off. <laughs> so there's no penalty for enrolling in a category and not dropping right. off. So, you know, I was baking two weeks after my daughter was born. This is my second kid. I'm going to enroll anyway. Yeah. Because who knows? Maybe one week postpartum, I'm going to be like, yes, I am making all the shortbread cookies and all of the things, and we're doing this. So it doesn't hurt to, you know, just so, set yourself up for success. <laughs> so
0: are you going to enter, so is your plan at least to enter, how many are you going to, How many? I guess, how many categories are you going to enter? I uh, suppose for, the door is open to as many as you want.
1: Yeah. I'll probably just pick, like, two or three this okay. year. Try to, you know, try, try to... Observe the sanctity of that postpartum period and not push myself too hard, but I might also enter some canning categories this year because I like to make jams and things oh, like that okay. because I can make that stuff earlier in the summer sure. and just have it queued up and ready for drop off there
0: you go
1: and you don't have to drop it off yourself, so I can always just like send my husband to schlep it down yeah. to the fairgrounds on my behalf
0: there it was it was neat. The thing I really liked about drop-off is because I would love going to the fair so much is just being there without anybody else. Mm-hmm. And just sort of walk around and sit on the bench and sort of take in all of the sort of peacefulness. It was literally the calm before the storm oh, it of so all wonderful. of the people showing up.
1: Yeah, that time of year, it's wonderful because everything's almost done being set yep. up too so you capture the magic of the fair like we're hardcore fair weirdos like okay. we go multiple times we map out our visits we plan all of the things we live off of como avenue so oh, we're able so to just take really the city close. bus oh that's nice there. like and so yeah like i love going on the fairgrounds i even because i live so close sometimes i'll just like drive through the fairgrounds on my way up to roseville or something because i can because it's open so why not <laughs>
0: That's next level.
1: Yeah, we're real weird like that.
0: that that's pretty weird. <laughs> but I res- because We love the fair, too, so I respect that, though. That's fun. Um, and you're like, well, like when they announce the new foods, you're like jumping online right away to see what's there. Are you like that level well, of like, like foodie level? I or? mean, the
1: minute that list comes out, it's getting forwarded through the family because oh, everyone wants okay. to see what it is. But we're typically not that impressed because I feel like we've just er- – we've hit – peak weirdness for things on a stick and like you know like how many things can you put wrap bacon around it's not that creative
0: anymore no but it's still tasty though (laughs) maybe not kosher but
1: not kosher but yeah so we uh you know i always take a look at it right but at this point i'm very rarely impressed i
0: i know i know this past year as we were sort of meh there's like nothing there a couple years ago there was some really good stuff but yeah Mm -hmm. i think you're right i think there's there's only so many things you can put a put on a stick
1: yeah everyone's trying too hard it's just like everyone needs to scale it back and just get back to basics (laughs)
0: But So you have your favorites of, like, the vendors that you'll go back to each year. For oh, more. yeah. Like, there are things that you will hit every year.
1: Oh, yeah. And, you know, when I worked for Minnesota Public Radio, I would work the booth there a lot. Uh, so a lot of times I would be at the fair, like, seven days out of the fair. And so then you have to pace yourself. You have to have a serious strategy oh, yeah. or you're going to be miserable. Yeah. But there are certain things, like, I always get an ear of corn every Love single Love the corn. Time the roast corn. Love the So corn. good. And you don't feel that bad about yourself after eating an ear of corn. You're like, even
0: with that, even drowning it in butter, yeah, you don't feel that it's bad. It's not that. Yeah, it's Com- not that
1: compared bad. to the other things you're sure doing. could be worse. Um, I, I do the fried pickles. Okay. Love the fried pickles, and on the times I don't get the fried pickles, then I get the fried olives. So we always sort of alternate.
0: Okay. Um,
1: those are the like things that I absolutely must do, and then people always ask me what I think of Sweet Martha's because. I do all the cookies, and I get the ribbons and the things, and I never eat Sweet Martha's. Really, I feel like it is just a waste of calories at an event like the State Fair. I think they taste okay when they're warm, yeah, because any warm cookie is going to taste all right. Right, but I'm there are other things I would rather use my calories and my stomach space on.
0: (laughs) Fair makes sense. (laughs) Now, I, I mean, interest of full disclosure, I don't really like chocolate. Don't okay eat chocolate.
1: I don't understand that, but I respect it. That's
0: fine. I can. Under- I, I I understand that people don't understand that, <laughs> and that's fine. You respect it, which is more than I can say for a lot of people who might be <laughs> listening to this. You know who you are, and I yeah. So the like the sweet Martha's that's sort of lost on me anyway. Yeah. But just the idea of waiting. I mean, it better be a transcendent cookie if I'm going to wait in line for you for that long. Yeah. And and I then I know I c- that it is.
1: Yeah. No. And I can never understand the people that then go to the like one dollar milk counter. Who is drinking that much milk when it's like a hundred degrees outside and you're sweaty, <laughs> and you're just like my husband used to go and he would just chug glass of milk after glass of milk with his cookies. And I'm like, this is disgusting. How can you like now function in the world? Right. With that much warm dairy in your belly. The
0: line from Anchorman: Milk was a bad choice. Right. <laughs> that it just seems like such a. Just a gross idea, but,
1: but it's a tradition for people. So I got,
0: there you I mean, go. And, and people sort of. I know a lot of people. If you're not from here, sort of shake your head at the idea, the tradition of the state fair, anyway. So, but I'm mean, not
1: from here. I'm not and either. I love it. I do too. <laughs> I
0: do have a friend who who once said he, he used to never go. His wife loved to go. Used to work at when she was in high school and stuff. Loved it. He would never go. He called it an argument against evolution. <laughs> now, to be fair, I get that. Mm-hmm. I see that. Mm-hmm. It's great people watching.
1: Oh, it's great people, people watching. People are
0: strange, mm-hmm. but it's it, it, it's um, yeah. You gotta. I I mean, I get the idea that you kind of gotta gotta want it.
1: Yes, definitely. I get that. It's not for everybody. Oh no, it is not. <laughs> I, I always try to convert people, and sometimes I'm successful, and sometimes we just have a really bad day.
0: Yep, we've <laughs> we've, we've had that too with family. Uh, family we've taken have loved it, and they can't wait to go again. And others were like. I think they're warm to the idea of wanting to go again, but we're not really warm to the idea of going with them. Yes. Because it's it's a long day. Mm-hmm. Y- you got to really dig in for it. So It is. I get that. All right, well, Chris Kramer, last couple questions, and we'll let you get yeah. out of here. Uh, your favorite Jewish holiday?
1: Favorite Jewish holiday, Rosh Hashanah. How come? Because uh, I can bake with yeast. Ah. <laughs> um, and, I, like, fall and – Apples and all of yeah. that kind of stuff is my favorite, and I love. I have like four different Nordic pans that are apple shaped.
0: Oh, that's so great.
1: I maximize my ability sure. to bake in them during that period. Okay, well, and it's just sense. it's fun. I always like I've always loved the beginning of the school year and mm-hmm. the beginning of fall. My birthday falls around that time. It's okay. just a great time of year. All right.
0: And then it's going to be a fascinating. Going to be fascinating to hear the answer for this one because of your food background. Mm-hmm. Favorite Jewish food?
1: Oh boy. <laughs> Baked or cooked?
0: <laughs> whatever.
1: Uh baked challah. Okay. I mean I love challah. Who doesn't love challah? Like you can make it sweet or savory and do whatever you want with it. It's very versatile. Yeah. Um cooked. Mm. Oh. Guess I'm gonna say a lot, cause.
0: Okay.
1: No, I'm sorry. I have to take that back. Kanish.
0: Okay. Kanish. Mm-hmm. Also baked.
1: Also, it's it's baked, but it's partly cooked because you have to make the. Filling you got true. You got to cook the potatoes first. Yeah.
0: Okay, that's fine.
1: Yeah, but yeah, good kanish. There's like nothing better than that. It is just comfort food. Oh, totally. Yeah, ultimate comfort food. Mm-hmm. Indeed.
0: Well, Chris Kramer, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it and uh, look forward to hearing about your. Uh, state fair exploits this year
1: yeah thank you
0: thank you chris kramer for joining us this week if you haven't yet please subscribe rate and review the podcast we are on apple podcast stitcher spotify anywhere else you can find podcasts these days if you have any suggestions for who would be a good interview on the podcast drop me an email you can get me at editor at dot thanks again for listening and we will see you next week